this morning. Kind of doing a, I'm not doing a series really, I'm teaching on a book. Uh, and uh, if you're new here, that's where we are at. We are in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. This will probably be a two-part because there's too much in chapter 4 to really cover in one sermon, and it would be two different contexts, some things that we really need to stay in context with, and it's not by happenstance today that we talk about rest, because that's where chapter 4 is leading us, and uh, as I spent the whole week reading Hebrews chapter 4, talking about rest, you can't, it, makes, it makes you think about everything that's coming up through the week, and all you think about is rest. Uh, so it's kind of a makes for a hard week because from day one you're reading it and I'm just reading it every day so I get it into my spirit and it's in my spirit so everything I, I, I teach on or everything ends up somehow coming back to rest so I had to be careful this week as I taught at Faith Academy and, and uh, as I taught on Samuel not to like veer off and end up back at rest and uh, maybe because that's a little bit of what I, I, I need right so it's a wonderful subject something I believe that we all long for uh, but also struggle with we struggle with rest we're going to talk about it today, and um, I don't know about you, I think I'd like to live in a perpetual state of rest the more I thought about it. Uh, it sounds good, but it also sounds impossible. Uh, I think we have an idea of what it is, and uh, I believe the Hebrew writer is basically talking about something more, and uh, we're just going to dive right in this morning and kind of get to it. I won't keep you too long today, uh, but we are in Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, good group. The Word of God says, God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter His rest. As for others, God said, In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through... David, much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Hebrew writer takes this serious. He says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. You know, God's promises are not like our promises, right? I mean, we can count on God for his promise. If he makes us a promise, we can count on it. And I say they're not like our promises because if I had a show of hands of who's broke a promise, I think all of us would raise our hands. Now, I had a pastor say this one time to me, and I think it's very correct in how we understand ourselves and just as people, right? We always, you know, we're really big about not judging anybody, but when it comes to somebody breaking a promise, we can be quick to judge, right? And one of the things I remember him saying to me is we always judge someone else by their actions, but we always want to be judged by our intentions. That's why we never, we never look at when we break a promise as that big a deal, because our intention was to actually do right by our promise. 
So we always never feel bad about it when we break a promise and always feel really horrible about it when somebody else breaks a promise to us. But we think because of our intentions that makes it okay. But that's the difference between us and God. God intentionally makes a promise and He works to keep it. He does not break His promises. His promises are sure. So God promises rest. And I'm going to be honest with you. I feel very underqualified this morning to speak to you on this subject. Uh, uh, yes, I have experienced rest, but I am far from being an expert on it. Uh, either way, right now, uh, I way struggle with rest. Many of you know I had to almost be forced into taking a day off because I'm working like three jobs trying to plant this church and, and was working seven days a week. Literally, many of you know I'd leave here and have to go work uh, out there at Hidden Falls and, and just... Uh, I get, I've given the last three or four months is just steady, steady work without resting at all. So I'm very underqualified, right? And, but but I, I hope that maybe I can break down the idea because believe me, as I studied this, I think it was more for me. I think it was more for me than it might be for you. Maybe some of you like get rest, you got it, uh, but maybe this one was for me. Uh, but I tried to break this down into really three categories because I think if you start diving deeper into rest, it's more than just having a day where you kick back. It's more than that. And I broke this thing down into like three different categories. So if you're taking notes today, I'm about to give you some bullet points uh, as we travel through what it means to biblically rest. I don't normally uh, break things down like that. I don't normally have bullet points. But this week, for some reason, it's like I saw three that just hit me hard. And that's what I'm going to take you on the journey of these three things that God really uh, maybe corrected me on. Maybe that's the better way to say that uh, in the effort to press me into rest. First and foremost, let's deal with the most obvious, the one that we all get. Everybody needs a Sabbath. Everybody needs a weekly Sabbath. Everybody needs that, right? I think most of us get that. Uh, Genesis 2, 2 and 3 says, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing, and so on the seventh day He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, and on it He rested from all the work of creating that God has done. God has a day of rest also. Later on, God would confirm this day to Moses through the Ten Commandments, where in Exodus 20, he would say, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your uh, male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but on the he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and He made it holy. We know we're supposed to have one day that we call holy, right? Now, like, the great thing about America is we kind of ran that into, like, isn't that a 48-hour day? We call the weekend. That's our Sabbath, the entire weekend, right? And so, like, that's kind of like the glory of America right there, that we kind of extended the Sabbath, and, and maybe there's some arrogance and pride to that as America, that we can work so hard in five days we earn two. I don't know how that works, but uh, God says he, we work six and we give one day as unto the Lord. So I, I'm not sure like at what point in our discipleship process that we learn this, but somewhere or another, you, you got this, right? You know that you're supposed to at least. And for many of you, that's today. Today is the day where you rest, where you are thankful to God. Uh, as God rested and called it good, you have also rested and called it good. And, and God experiences that with you. And yet, uh, uh, we also, uh, uh, we, we, we understand that a lot of that, while it's Old Testament and legal, it still plays into today in being obedient and, and, and having a Sabbath because that's what God wants. But it's really more than that. The, the irony of the Sabbath 
is that if it was good for God to rest, it's also good for us. The Sabbath was God's gift to us, by the way. It's not like just, a, like, yeah, in the Old Testament, it's funny how they just had to be told everything. It's, it's a lot like children, right? In the beginning, uh, uh, you're told how to do everything. And as you get older, you start to realize the, the uh, uh, wisdom behind what you're told to do. The Sabbath was a gift. Jesus reminds us the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. God desires to give you rest. He desires it. It's what he wants to do. Give you rest from your works, the hardships of life. How many know life is hard, amen? It's difficult. This earth, man, makes you long for heaven, right? I mean, anytime I hear somebody, uh, when I deal with people who are depressed or when I hear people who struggle uh, uh, with just with, you know, manic depression, just this oppressive type personality, they're like, man, everything's horrible here. And I go, I know, I know. You can't say, well, it's not really. You just need to see that. No, man. I disagree. I'm like totally with the manic depressive. Like I could totally agree with just about everything they could say. And thus it would make me long for something better. It makes me want to believe and have faith in God that when I reach eternity, I will reach a world where all of this is set aside. No more sickness. No more death. Right? One kingdom. Only, I mean, you know, it just... It, it makes me long for that, right? Life is hard. It's amazing to sit and think about the everyday things we work at. How hard and how heavy it all is, right? It's easy to say it. I just, I just kind of touched on it. <clears throat> but let me, let me go through this here and uh, uh, share with you as I, as I was kind of putting together my day uh, uh, of how heavy it all is. So every morning, we get up every morning, hopefully spending time with the Lord before pressing into the coffee maker and getting a cup of coffee while simultaneously planning out our day at the same time at whatever o'clock you get up in the morning. Uh, we get the kids up, we get them dressed, we get them fed, we make a lunch, we discuss who's taking who, get the kids to school, go to work, multitask at work, at least six different things, get off work, pick up kids, run errands that you couldn't do while at work, help with homework, or at least make sure it gets done, think about what bills need to be paid today and tomorrow, and somewhere in there make time for, for you uh, to have time with your spouse and actually have a relationship or friendship, right? And then go to sleep, go get up the next day and repeat. Does that sound about right? It's heavy, right? <laughs> it's amazing what we can do. It really is when I start to think. When I started to write all that down, I was like, wow, is that, that's like my everyday. A majority of the people I know, this is, they pray for the weekend, right? Working at Hidden Falls, you know, that's one of the things I see. People who live for the weekend. I'm not sure they have a paycheck after, Friday, or after Sunday, but they show up on Friday with a paycheck, and it's gone by Sunday, and they have lived for the weekend. They work all hard as they can, and they live for the moment of rest, that small, brief moment where there's a break in the schedule, and it's that's where they find rest. And the older you get, the more you covet rest, the more you want it. My wife would tell me about days where she dreams of sleeping. I just I can't wait for I can just go to sleep. You know, and, and if you've been to the beach with my wife, you already know, she don't have to do anything. She can just sit there for the whole day on the beach. And do nothing, and that will have been the best vacation she's ever had. Best one ever, man. Just to do nothing. Rest becomes something that is so rare, and in doing so, it becomes absolutely valuable. So even as we talk about it, it seems like a nonchalant issue, but truthfully, rest is what everybody's scratching and clawing for. We work so hard all week long for just a little bit of rest on the weekend. Just a little bit. And we should be a little bit, right? Right? It's something we need. 
And it's something we should proactively be taking. And I've been the worst of this, right? <clears throat> I can make excuses about it, but the truth is the Lord has created the Sabbath for me and has commanded me to take one. I'm supposed to have a Sabbath. And by not creating that space for God in my life in the Sabbath there, I'm just simply disobeying Him. I'm playing around. He gives me grace, but there are dangers in not taking a Sabbath that He is trying to help me avoid. For instance, when I don't take a Sabbath, I start to believe that the work of my hands are the sole attribute to the work of my life. Like I can do more with my own two hands than God can do. That's what happens because I start working hard like, oh, if I don't, it's not going to get done. I start to believe that. I start to believe that if I don't do everything, it's not going to happen instead of having faith that God is going to co-work together alongside me. That's what happens. I basically express a lack of faith. And I deny the glory to God in the work. And when I don't take a Sabbath, I'll start to neglect my relationship with Christ by not setting aside a time to Him to be thankful and give praise where praise is due. The Sabbath was created for you to have a day to be rejuvenated and energized. It's supposed to be a day of reflection. But what are we supposed to be reflecting on? All right, so that's like the first part of Sabbath. The Sabbath, the understand part that we know we need rest. Physical rest. But the reflection side of the Sabbath brings about the spiritual rest that God is talking about. What should we be reflecting on the Sabbath is rest from our works. Rest from our works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then he says this, Not by works, so that none of you can boast. Right? That's why you're supposed to rest, right? To understand that you're co-working with God in your life. Because if you're not, you're going to start to think your works mean everything. If you're not, you're going to start to rely more on what your hands can do and less on what God can do. If you're not careful, that's what it will do. If you refuse to rest, if you refuse to take a time to yourself to reflect, it reminds us that there's nothing we can do that will earn us more favor with God. I cannot build this church by working constantly. I will fail this church if I continue not to take a Sabbath. Because while it might grow or it might have people or it might <coughs> reach out to people, what good is it if there's no spiritual value in it? What good if it was all by the work of the flesh? Will you give me a glass of water? <coughs> Excuse me. Our works are what make us holy. They're not what make us righteous. It's grace alone. Grace alone. So as we reflect back upon our week and we think about the things we do and the things we haven't done, we can be reminded that for all of our shortcoming, it's been covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Some of you need to rest from the idea that it's your obedient works that somehow draw you closer to the Father. As if if you're better, oh, well, the redneck word is gooder. If you're gooder, uh, that's gonna be, that makes God more proud of you. It's not true. It's by grace you're saved. You receive Jesus Christ. He sees you through the grace of Christ. He's already proud. He's already proud. You get up every day and you have this pressure believing in this idea that if you fall into the works, uh, 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 if, you fall, if you fail in the works of being a Christian, you're somehow a failure altogether. Somewhere you've lost the concept of what Paul spoke of, that all your works anyway is are filthy rags. All the good I do is really worthless if it's done outside of Christ. It's all worthless. Right, And ultimately what will happen is if you don't start giving glory to Christ and setting time aside for Christ, you're going to start receiving all the glory for the things that Christ should be getting glory for. 
And, and eventually it'll become what defines you. Obedience is good, and it's good, it really is, but grace that freely flows from Christ is what we should long for. It's what we should be pressing in for, right? So while the Sabbath brings us rest physically, grace brings us rest spiritually. So we don't have to struggle. The struggle of, man, if I'm not good today, or if I held my tongue, or I slipped up, all of a sudden I'm a bad person because my tongue was saying things that are not representative of Christ. Right? We can have grace in that moment and go, all right, I make mistakes. That's part of it. It's part of life. We get back up. We keep trying, right? Because I think it's good to work towards obedience. But let's make no mistake. It's not obedience that saves us. It's grace that saves us, right? So in, and when we start to look at this thing spiritually and we start to look at this thing physically and we see these two sides of Sabbath, right? We see this idea that the Sabbath is more than just a day off. It's more than that. It's more than just this time we take, oh, so I can rest, and it's all about me. It's not about that. It's about how God works through you, how God works in you. <clears throat> kind of jumped off my notes there. In this, we discovered that the Sabbath was more, more than just a day off. It was meant to be this rest that we would enjoy, this moment where we would give glory back to God in our lives. And why would we ever come together and we praise God for rest like we did this morning? We do so so that we can understand it. We do so that we don't become dependent on the work of our hands. We do so that we don't become dependent upon the work of our heart. Because let's be honest, some of us are pretty good. We got really good strong wills. I have a kid in my classroom at Faith Academy, man. She is absolutely strong-willed person, favorite person in the class. Right? Not so much favored, I think, for everybody else, the other teachers, because she's a strong-willed child. But for me, totally awesome, because it reminds me of me. Very difficult, very strong-willed, tells me like it is, uh, whether I like that or not. And I know, like, I already see in, you know, like, okay, this is a person God's going to deal with, right? And I think when we had that Sabbath time and we begin to discover those Sabbath times, that's when God starts to reflect and, hey, it's time I need to work on your heart on this area or it's time I need to work on your heart in this area. And so as God is working on me, even right now, as I'm really going through the struggle of discovering rest again, uh, uh, sad to say, as long as I've been a Christian, I still struggle with resting. I still struggle with that, right? I still struggle with the idea that I need to work, 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 work. And God's saying, you need to, like, pour some of that on me. You need to lay some of that on me, Right? You can only physically do so much, so let me physically do some things for you, right? Or even spiritually, like, so I try, and, and what, what is my, I'm going to tell you what your mind tends to do anyway, and this is where the spiritual side comes in. Your mind tends to start playing that game with you about like, well, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done, or if you don't do this, or you don't do that, then, wh then what else is going to need to be done because you're not doing it or whatever, and God's saying, listen, I'm raising up people all the time. I'm sending you people. I'm raising up people. Let me do the spiritual side. And what is happening in that process is become a pride thing. That's what God is revealing in the process with me. I'm just saying on the rest part, man. And the same goes for you. Same goes for you. It's the same process where we start to think that maybe the things that we do are what's going to matter most. And it's not what we do that matters most. It's what Christ has done that matters most. It's the grace that, that flows through us. It's the constant reminder in the Sabbath that I am not in control I don't decide the future. I can't build it with my own two hands. I need faith in Christ that He's going to co-work with me. I need all that. I think we beat ourselves up all the time. We feel inadequate. We feel like we fall short. But the Sabbath is a reminder to walk in grace afforded to you by the cross. That's what, it, that's what it's here to do. 
Because I think, I think for some of us, I don't think we could sit still. If, like, if we had to have a Sabbath today, how many of you would struggle just to sit at your house and do nothing? And you say, oh, that wouldn't be a struggle. Many of you don't sit on a weekend. You're out there doing something, got to be busy doing something. You can't sit still. This, we have reached a generation that does not know how to sit on the front porch and just relax. You know, we've kind of like that whole era has died off. Where you just people used to sit on the front porch and just relax in the neighborhood and kids played out front and you just kind of had an off day all together. Everybody had an off day. Some of you go on vacation and you come back more tired. I don't even know if that's a vacation, is it? So, I mean, I, the Sabbath is this great reminder of how fruitless our works can be. How fruitless our physical efforts can be. How fruitless our heart is sometimes. But it's also a reminder of what waits for us. So we have this whole physical side where we need rest. Where things start to shut down. They start to shut down. I can tell you, and most of you already know this, this is like not a secret, so I'm not trying to boast in anything except Christ. That, I mean, y'all know, like I've been so stressed out lately, I've had, I've got hives, I've had like all kinds of just weird stuff, man, and like God has like laid a bunch of stuff on me lately. Like in my personal life, it seems like there's a lot laid on me and everything else, and the one thing that I have stayed true on, and I think it's the only thing that's held me, is that I, is that I managed to get up every morning and I spend time with the Lord. And I honestly think if it isn't for that time, which wears me out, by the way, because I get up at 5, and I'm going to tell you right now, I prefer 6, 37 o'clock. I do not prefer 5 o'clock. Nobody is up at 5. My dogs are like, turn the light off. They don't want to be up either at 5 o'clock. And I don't want to be up either. Like, I have to spend the first 15 minutes trying not to be begrudging towards the Lord. Like, man, I ain't got time for you. You as bad as the kids. I know some people are shocked that I talk to God like that, but here's the problem is God already sees my heart, and if I don't be honest with him with my lips, then it's all a lie. It wouldn't matter what my lips say if my heart is already saying it, right? So I feel like if I, I feel like I got to be honest in that part. So I get up in the morning, I begin to pray, and I begin to share with the Lord, like, Lord, man, I need your help, man. Sometimes there's just not enough coffee to keep praying. Or I spend the first 15 minutes just struggling not to pray just for myself. Well, Lord, I want to be a great warrior of intercession as soon as we can win the battle of my heart. So I sure can't get there. I'm trying so hard, Lord, you know. And the Lord says, I know. If you just rest, let me have some of this. Let me take some of this. Well, Lord, I'm physically tired. I know because you're working like, like your whole paycheck is, is all comes from your hands. You're working like, you, like all your needs, if they're not provided by you, won't come from me. I'm just telling you, this doesn't feel good in the morning when he's saying all this stuff to me. He says, that's why you're taking all this stress on, because you're carrying it. You won't let go of it. You act like it's some badge of honor, Jim. And in that moment, man, I'm like, weep before the Lord, and I'm like, well, tell me how to let go of it. I'm scared. I'm scared if I let go of it, it won't get done, and I'll leave it to you, and you're a last-minute God, and it stresses me out. Now it sounds honest, right? You know that, right? God, everybody has that story with God. God shows up. Boy, he showed up at the last minute, but he showed up. You know, he's always on time. Yeah, he's at the last minute. Like, there's no, like, you've, if you've walked with God for any length of time, you know that the idea of God, like, doing something in your time, like, on your time, like, hey, when it's convenient for you and makes you have comfort and really not actually exercise faith, right? That never happens. 
It always happens when you're like praying harder. Like it's getting like it's Lord, it's this is the line. You're like danger close here, God. It's about to cross it. And like he'll show up out of the blue. Because at that point, like right when you've given up, just so that as soon as God shows up, you, you deal with shame, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Sabbath is supposed to bring you rest from that. It's supposed to remind you, you can't do it all. Quit physically trying. Quit physically trying to do it all. Be obedient to God in the Sabbath, yes, but understand why the Sabbath was made for you. To reveal to you your need for God. Physically in the work, but also in the spiritual works of things and trying to be obedient and trying to be loving, caring, because let's be honest, there are people that challenge us in love. I always say this, you haven't been a Christian long, unless what? Unless you've hated some of the people you're going to heaven with. And you know, like, they're probably saved, God. I know you love them. And because you're the only one that can, God. Come on. And I know that you're using those people, God, to teach me patience and love to love like you. Right? Everybody's got that person in their life. That's why it's funny. Everybody has that person because God does want you to be Jesus. So he puts people in your life that interrupt your life. Just like people interrupted Jesus as he went from one place to the next. He had to stop everything he's doing. I mean, think about, we've talked this before in here, but like as the, as the woman came and grabbed his garment, you know, he has to stop everything he's doing. And they're like, somebody, he's like, somebody touch me. Everybody's touching you. Can you imagine the frustration of the people along? Everybody's grabbing on you, man. I'm telling you, somebody touch me. Let's stop. We ain't got time to stop. We got to get somewhere. We have time. And that's, that's the Sabbath. Rest in the moment that God is in control. It's there to push you into that moment, to push you into the idea that it can't all be built with your hands and that the works of the flesh that are working in you, this idea that you're trying to become more Christ-like and you, and you work at it, you try to have a life of integrity and you're trying to always be honest with people without hurting them and, and you're trying to love people and be spiritual when it's time to be spiritual and pray for people and do the right things and all the times you fail and have to live with that guilt and shame, it's because you're not taking a Sabbath spiritually in your heart and allowing grace to do its work. You're trying to willpower and strong arm yourself into being like Christ and it's not going to work. Christ flowed in love and mercy and forgiveness and grace and the only way we're going to learn how to do that is by understanding that the part of the Sabbath is learning that we have grace, that it has freed us from those works. All that work of trying to be obedient and failing, because we fail probably a lot more than we succeed. And if we succeed by the flesh, by our strong will, have we really succeeded? No. What's going to happen is down the road, God's going to show you how that's been sin. That thing you were so proud of, like, I never do this anymore. Uh-huh, it's by the grace of God. Not your strong will. It's by the grace of God. So rest in it. Rest in that spiritual part of it. And, and, and really, as we move from the physical and the spiritual side, that the hope is like we, we, we begin with. This is like the third kind of bullet point. So as we start, Sabbath is for this physical side, Right? Sabbath is for the spiritual side, this side, this internal thing that's happening within our heart. And lastly, uh, the whole reason we want the physical side and the spiritual side to be constantly worked on is because there's an eternal Sabbath that's coming. I mean, God is still at rest. You know that? God is still resting. There's nothing left to create. It's done. 
There's, his work is done. It's finished. Jesus went to the cross, and he said it's finished too. Salvation is done. There's nothing else left to do but tell people. And that part has been placed upon us. And we don't have to fret those coming or going or whether they receive us or not. Why? Because we live in grace. We live in grace. Our job is to be obedient in grace, which means that sometimes we fail and it's okay. Why? Because we repent and we get back up and we move back towards grace. Because grace causes us and moves us. Our response to grace is repentance. It's the same reason if you're married, it's why you love your spouse. You know, because every once in a while you've done or said things that hurt them and you still keep coming back. Why? Because of grace, mercy, love, forgiveness. And when you walk in that, it allows you to be in relationship and in community. Same reason we're with Christ. When we're with Christ in community, we have forgiveness. There, there should be forgiveness there. There should be mercy. There should, that's why the gospers are, are not supposed to be in churches, right? You know that, right? Like, I know churches are full of gospers, all right? I always say, where else can the person go and be loved that is a gospel church, right? Same reason, where can a murderer, a liar, a thief, where can they go and have a place where they belong? Church. Because they're the only place that will accept them, right? Because let's be honest, we don't hang around those people. So they should be able to come to church. Why is there so much gospel in the church? Because it's full of sinners. And by the way, it used to be one, in case you forgot. That's also what the Sabbath's supposed to do. Be a great reminder of the shifting, the changing in your own heart. So there's this eternal thing, though, that's happening. And in this eternal thing, as God eternally rests from His work of creation, we're supposed to rest eternally someday as well. And I think it's a wonderful promise. I mean, we, we live in the today, as the Hebrew writer says, right? We live in that today, the today where Christ has actually redeemed us for grace. And this day is nothing more a day of the good news that is proclaimed. So in grace, when we respond to somebody in the good news and they say yes to God, they are also entering into physical rest. They are also entering into spiritual rest and ultimately eternal rest. We live in the today, as the Hebrew writer says. The good news, the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that flows from heaven. That rest is not a far off rest, but one that you can actually have right now. Man, isn't that promising that you can right now enjoy a day of rest in your week, that you can right now walk in the freedom and rest that grace provides? That you can right now enter into the rest of eternal salvation, never having to worry again about what is next. That your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that comforting? Jesus did his best to model this before you, and he spoke concerning the rest by which he offered in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And, the, and one thing I have found in ministry, when it's difficult, something's not right. Now, as a pastor, I listen to a lot of sad stories. And it would be heavy on me if it weren't for the fact that I have to remind myself that's not my burden to bear. Doesn't mean I don't care. Doesn't mean I don't love or pray. But are they my responsibility to fix? Man, we are really bad about that, though. You know that, right? We're, like, so guilty of trying to fix everybody else's life. We're all, for some reason or another, we have certified our own self as psychologists. 
We all have friends for which we tell them, you know, this is this advice, this advice, this advice, everything else. We have all this advice, but I'm not sure we're supposed to be giving so much of it. Unless it's godly, unless it should revolve around the idea of grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness, unless it follows the attributes of Christ. You know, I did a series a while back on, on love, and, and many of you know it. And we talked about, you know, if you, you know that uh, it says, uh, uh, in, it was a little meme that I'd seen that it said, if you're back, you know, if you, if you have uh, friends or whatever that are backbiters, gossipers, um, disloyal, you don't need all these kind of people, and everybody would shake their head yeah to that. But isn't that what we, in that one time, that's what we all were. You know, God's called us to love, and any counseling we give better revolve around that. And any time we start stepping into the role of the counselor, that aren't ours. We have to walk in grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Christ says, let me teach you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Let me teach you and you will find rest for your souls. Can we do that? When we take a Sabbath, can we sit there for a second and let Christ just teach us? Can we just sit and relax for a few minutes daily with Him and let Him be the master when it concerns rest? Man, let Him teach you what rest is. And I hope so. I hope you can. Because I really think that anything else is fruitless. And I know for me in my life, as I, as I uh, engage church and as I engage things, one of the things the Lord's put on my heart even recently, many of you, I think I told you that I, I wasn't going to advertise very much and I'm not going to put ourselves out there very much for I think the first full year. So I think maybe like March or April of next year, we'll really maybe like really go out and really try to really hit the streets and evangelize and really go at it more, but I think one of the things that for this church in its first year is to really find our place with the Lord, find our identity with God, find rest from the Lord. There's some of us that need to heal in the Lord. I know I do. I know I do. That's what the Sabbath is for. Take a time of rest. Take a time where you can uh, call upon God. And as I studied this, this message, another perspective that I think you might find interesting because it gives us this clear, per, this clear concept about where God is taking us. So, I, and maybe it's, because I, maybe it's because this is kind of like the theme of my heart. You who know me, this is going to sound very familiar. Um, but even as I studied rest this week and as I'm trying to take rest and find a Sabbath in my life uh, where I, I am going to do nothing, uh, I, I'm not there yet, um, but I'm working on it. Uh, uh, I, I definitely love the spiritual side of it. At that part, I think I get more than the physical side right now. Uh, but one of the things that I read as it became, and I came across this uh, scripture in Jeremiah chapter 6, that says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. I don't know about you or where you're at in your life, but I think at some point we all meet the crossroads. He says, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. And I'm going to tell you, for me, this is like a word from God. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Now, I'm going to tell you, prophetically, I see that all over. No, that's not the road we want, right? Everybody, uh, they're always like, when you talk about the old way, uh, the old way to them is never God's way. It's always this old way when they view church. Uh, so when we say uh, return to the old way, uh, uh, which is what he's saying, he's saying return. Return to what? Return to the old way. 
Well, what's the old way? God's way. Well, what's that look like? It looks like the gospel, pure and simple, before denominations. It looks like the book of Acts, where there was the only thing that you had to worry about was, hey, I'm a Jew talking to a Gentile. That's not normally great. But this is where God has taken us. So we tackle this one. Where's God taking us over here? I don't know. Let's pray about it. This is where we go here. Return to the old way where God leads the church. It's not Pastor Jim leading the church. It's God leading the church. Return to the old way. And he says, when you return, it's there you're going to find rest. So I do believe rest is coming, especially for this church, because the heart and theme of this church is for us to return to God. The main theme of the Bible, go read it, go look at it, go see it. Everything everything you're going to read, every book from beginning to the end, the theme of the Bible is return to me. The question is always, and why are we always struggling to return to God? Because we fail to have a Sabbath. We fail to rest. We feel like everything must be built off our hands. If we don't work harder, do more stuff, be busy that it's not going to be successful. For some of us, let's just be honest, that's, that's taking Americanism, if that's what you want to call it, and inserting it into the gospel. And I love America, but the pride thing that comes from America, this idea of the American dream, is not gospel friendly. It's just not. This whole idea that we're bigger, better, got to do everything more extravagant. The funny thing is, is I'm not sure that if we took our church overseas, that they would even call us Christians totally different concept of what it means to be of Christ overseas. Why? Because they they are a return church, a church that focuses more on their talking with God, on prayer, on fasting, on seeking the Lord and allowing the Lord to build things rather than their hands. We're really bad about that in America. Especially as I'm like engaged right now in this idea of leading a church and should I advertise and a website and all these things that come with it. It's really easy to get caught up that if it, doesn't, if it doesn't follow me or if my hands don't do it, it won't get done as if God is standing there going, man, somebody just untie me. And I, I'll be honest with you, the, the more I, str- I struggle with that, the more I wonder, am I, when this, if this church grows, will it be attributed to God or will it be attributed to how hard we work? Because if we can build this thing with our own hands, it won't be of God. It won't be. And that's a scary place for me to be. But in the only way I know how to balance that, especially I think this is why God has me here this, this week, is to, is to find it in a Sabbath. It's to find a time of rest where I lean on God. And I think that's the same for you. If you're looking for peace in your life, you're not going to find it without a time of Sabbath, without a time of rest, where you lean back on God, that you physically can't do it all. You acknowledge that, admit that, and repent for thinking you can that you also acknowledge and repent for thinking that all your works are of your own strong will or anything else that you're trying to. And man, you, you quit this. And I'm telling you, if, if you ever get, you got to watch yourself because if you get yourself to the point where like, well, I don't do that anymore. I don't know why they don't do it. They've been going to church. Listen, man, I'm, as long as they're in church, there's faith that they'll be changed. And you need to give that to God. You need to give that to God, man how they talk, what they do, the actions that they're doing, at least they're in church, man. And if there's anywhere somebody can make a change, it'll be there. Many of you know my story that for the first four or five years I went to church, I smoked weed. I am so glad nobody, like, really beat me up and Bible thumped me. 
Because you know what? Four or five years later, it was like one of those things where God started to work in my heart. This needs to go, Jim. You're starting to rely more on this to give you relaxation than relying on me and allowing my grace to give you relaxation. You're not free. You're just substituting something for me. You're not free. And you know what? Through a process of time, God began to take those things. He began to take those things in my life until I could find rest. And I'm going to tell you, there's always something trying to just jockey for that position. There's always something vying for that position. Man, we're in hunting season now. You better know that my brain has gone into hunting mode. And I have to fight it all the time to make it not idolatry. And that's just being honest. And it, it, I know it sounds silly and funny, it, but for me, that's a truth. Because I love to do it. it. It consumes my thought process. And I have to be careful with it all the time. And it's just like other things. There's, it, it, whatever that is for you, you got to be careful. And, and, and the one time where I can think about that, the one time where it really starts to stir my heart is when I'm praying and I begin to sit, talk to God, I begin to think, and he, and he has to remind me of these things. Here are the things we got to work on today, Jim. Let's work on our mouth. Let's work on, hey, when you're interrupted, not to become the devil, okay? You don't got to snap back at your wife or your kids. Be nice to them in the morning, right? Because my wife was telling me, hey, they're like scared of you, you know? I'm like, well, I got up at five. I was mad. God heard it too, you know? And God reminds me in prayer, be nice. Set the tone today. Show them they're going to have a good day because you're going to have a good day. Why? Because my good day is not dictated by the work of my hands. It's dictated by me reminding myself that I'm walking in grace. I need help today. I need to return. That's ultimately what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to return to God every day. Every day I get up and I go, Lord, help me return to you. Help me fall on my knees and just return to you so that I can experience the rest that you prophesy about. So I can experience the rest that the Hebrew writer said that Jeremiah speaks of, that Jesus speaks of. I come to you this morning, God, and I say I want it. So here's my burdens, God, and I begin to pour my burdens out. Here's the things that are weighing heavy on me today, and I begin to pour those things out. Now you have them, because there's no way I can fix them. And in doing so, I begin to acknowledge and give glory to the Father. Why? Because I finally am saying to myself, I can't bear it all. And believe me, that's really hard for me. I'm a Marine. We tend to think improvise, adapt, overcome. Uh, we tend to have all these, like, fancy sayings that's just, like, man stuff, you know, and and just try to, like, be gritty and tough it out, and we can go, we run towards the bullets. Not, I mean, we have all these things that are just, like, embedded into us. But the truth is, there are some things I cannot handle. There's some things that I cannot control or manipulate with my hands. That's how it is. I don't know why, but, like, I remember seeing in a movie, uh, if you've ever seen The NeverEnding Story, this gigantic rock creature is just, like, forever high and he's trying to save his friends and he has the biggest hands and he he's not able to save them and hold them and there's this scene where he's looking at his hands and here's this thing it's supposed to be like he just looks unbreakable he's made out of rock and he goes these hands they look like strong hands and that's how I feel sometimes these hands they look like strong hands but the Sabbath reminds me of my weaknesses and in that I find grace and in there, I find out that where, where I'm physically weak, God is strong. In my Sabbath, where I'm spiritually weak, God is strong. And He shows His strength there. Right? And so that one day, I will enter into an eternal rest. While I might struggle today, even find rest, 
I will end up eternally at a rest where I will experience rest. I will understand rest in its fullest. And I will live in it forever. Forever. And the toils of this world will be gone. There will be no more having to worry about anything else. Matter of fact, we won't worry at all. We won't worry at all. Can't even fathom that, can you? You don't even know what that's like. You never, you never had a time in your life you didn't worry about something. You can't remember it. And we, we think maybe a child, right? Maybe, maybe when I was a child, I thought like that. I think there are things we worried about as a child. Let a bee come around. You worry. Let a scorpion come around. A snake. You worry. There are things kids worry about. This morning, I believe God wants to show us how to rest in him. So we'll learn how to trust him. So we'll learn how to ultimately give glory to him. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray today. You know, one of the reasons when we started this church was really just to, uh, to, to not do anything new. And uh, one of the things I want to be very careful with uh, is, is, is to say that this is not a new church. It's not new. I don't think you can make the church new. Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. He's been around for 2,000 years. Uh, there's no way we're going to do something cutting edge. Or only, I don't believe any of that stuff because I believe in returning. And when I say the old way, the things that I want to be built, uh, that, I, that, I, that I see that the Lord built his church upon, uh, that I can see in the book of Acts where um, I believe God built his church in the book of Acts, that, and it looks like community. This idea that we come together, I always uh, say, especially if you're new, I say that this is not a, uh, a church full of families. This is a family church. And what I mean by that is when you come in here, you become part of the family, not a group of families. Uh, and we become one, and we share life together, and we share pain together, and we share triumph together, and we all get happy when one person's kid does great, and we're all sad when something's bad, and when somebody's hurting, we're all hurting. It's one family, like the book of Acts. I also believe that God has called us to prayer. I believe God has called us to prayer. That's what Sabbath is here to remind us to. It's hard to walk in Christ if you don't ever talk to him. You've got to start talking to him. It's got to be part of what we do every day. This is the old way, by the way. It's like nothing new, right? That's why I have this tendency. We don't, we're not a new church. We believe in prayer. That's number one here, prayer. Second is discipleship. It's discipleship is second, that you actually know the Bible. I'm telling you, I, in, in any sports that I've ever been in, some of the greatest players I've ever met, they're great because they have a great understanding of the basics. They have a wonderful foundation for just how to basically do something. And, and you'd be surprised at how many people just don't know the basics. And we are, we are seeing a whole generation come up that have never, ever read anything about the Bible at all. I'm, at all. They have no idea about it. So more prevalent than ever. And it's hard because uh, I, I, don't, I think it's better to not, uh, let's just say this. When I was in the Corps and when we shot uh, uh, rifles, the people who did the best were the ones who never had any training behind a rifle at all. Because the people that already had some training but not really that great, they uh, had all kinds of bad habits. So I'll be honest with you. I think it's really best to get you a good discipleship. Find your way in. Read the Bible. Let's, let's come together on Wednesdays. Let's come together on Sundays. Let's study. Let's grow in the Word. Let's get knowledgeable because there's nothing, I think, more dangerous or maybe, uh, uh, maybe more dangerous to be right than somebody who like barely taps into it once in a while and tries to use it. 
I mean, we don't give kids, uh, little kids guns. That's the same idea, right? Because the word is supposed to be a sword. And I mean, and I don't know about you, but there's some people I wouldn't trust with a sword. Right? Some of you got people, you know, you wouldn't trust them with a weapon. You're like, no, they, no, and they don't need anything. Right? Same concept. The, the Bible's not to be misused, not to be used lightly. The, the way we respect a weapon is the same way we respect the Bible. Right? Don't aim that thing at anything you're not ready to kill. Mm. That could actually preach. All, I say all this to tell you, that's, that's the beginning of rest. Because you won't have a problem with rest if you're praying and you're reading your Bible. Because you'll be in Christ. You'll be in the Lord. And you'll find your way back to Him constantly. You'll find out for yourself that that idea of return to me, come to me, is this resounding theme of God. Let's pray. Lord, right now, um, Lord, I sense your spirit in this place doing work, God. Your hands are bigger than mine, God. Lord, I, I did all that you commanded me to do this week, God. And I lay the rest upon you. I thank you for the opportunity to speak, God. And I thank you for the opportunity to tell others about you. But Father, I do pray for these. These for whom are here today to hear the good news, God. That your grace, God, has secured our rest. Father, I pray that they would be physically rested today, God. Lord, that by your spirit they would begin to feel a tangible feeling of, of, of rest, of relaxation, of a refreshing God. Both physically and spiritually, God. And Father, I pray that even as they leave today, God, that they would sense, uh, Lord, this eternal faithfulness in you, God. That they one day will, will also enter into an eternal rest. And the safety and the security of that, God. For your promises are not like the promises of men. Yours are sure, O oh God. Father, help us to return to you, to seek you out, God, to to come back repentant, God. Change us, God, to be more like your son. Lord, this is our prayer this week, God. Lord, send us people, send us people this week to whom we might minister to, to who we can just love, to who we can pour out affection show grace help us to be your son in front of everyone God so that they may see the light of the world Lord we pray this in Jesus name amen guys I love you I love you I hope you have a great day today man get some rest kick back relax don't jump on a tractor don't jump in the car go get some rest amen amen